Hi everyone, I hope you're enjoying Across the Pond. I just want to let you know that we are relaunching this podcast as always an expat, where we'll be elevating expat stories. I'm really excited about where we're going with this and I hope you come with us on this journey. So please hop across to wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe straight away to Always an Expat to continue on this journey with us. And of course, please don't forget to go to our website, planfirstwealth.com, subscribe to Wealth Hub to get notified when we drop new content, be it podcasts and anything else that we do. I look forward to you joining me at Always an Expat. You're listening to Across the Pond, a show about improving the lives of British expats living in America. Brought to you by Plan First Wealth. Uh, I'm Richard Taylor, founder, CEO of Plan First Wealth, a cross-border UK-US retirement planning investment management company. And I am Thomas Quinn. I am president and CRO of the same business. Jolly good. <laughs> Jolly good, right. So what's on our agenda today? So today we are covering non-US and non-UK pensions for the US resident. Having previously covered UK pensions and US retirement accounts, we're now going to look to people who have worked elsewhere, you know, who have been on a tour around Europe or the Far East or Africa, wherever, and have picked up other retirement accounts, pensions, and now find themselves in the US, right? But before we do, I need to uh, I need to assure a few corrections, or I, I'd, I'd rather call them clarifications. So. <laughs> Uh, I got my I got a gentle wrist slapping from Martha on a couple of points, a couple of uh, throwaway comments from uh, from our last podcast. So I just want to issue a couple of clarifications. So I said 401k distributions are always taxable as income, and I was thinking just through a narrow lens of the 401k we see all the time, which is the you know traditional you know, bog standard 401k. But of course, you can, and in some cases, people do make contributions to Roth. 401ks or even after-tax contributions in some cases and in such cases distributions may be partially or fully taxable or tax-free um, so it wasn't quite as uh, straightforward and simple as I as I made out uh, and the other thing is when we were talking about the exit tax and we were talking about uh, ongoing obligations for US citizens uh, slash green card holders and giving up your green card and I said U.S. residents are subject to tax, worldwide tax, uh, on an ongoing basis, even if they're outside the U.S. and have to do tax returns. Technically correct, but within the con- within the uh, context of what we were talking about, irrelevant. What I meant to say was U.S. citizens. Because if you leave the U.S. as a U.S. citizen or as a green card holder, that that immediate that you know that that's different. Um, and uh, saying U.S. residents different was than if you were to leave, yeah. As a visa so, holder. Yeah. So, I meant US citizens, not US residents. So, with that out of the way, we need to get Martha on at some point. So, if you're listening, Martha, there's, there's your, uh, put you on notice. <laughs> Got to show people how we keep the lights on here. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Should, we, um, should we start with like, the, 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 the definition? Um, definition of what we're, right, yeah, what so we're here to talk about today? Back to the topic at hand. Um, yeah, well, uh, I think so. We're talking about non-US and non-UK pensions, right? And I think what we're really talking about here, though, is double taxation agreements, because that's what matters when it comes to 
how is my non-US pension going to be treated in the US, reported, treated, invested, is going to come down to, is there a tax treaty with the US? And what are the terms of that tax treaty? So yeah, let's start by explaining what we mean by a tax treaty. Yeah, so a tax treaty is a bilateral two-party agreement made between two countries to resolve issues involving double taxation of passive and active income of each year of their respective residents and citizens. Income tax treaties generally determine the amount of tax that a country can apply to taxpayers' income, capital, estate or wealth. Yeah. Well so said. what does that mean? What does that mean? It means that there is uh, these two countries have entered into an agreement to uh, I think the the objective right is to facilitate people, businesses moving around and to not be um, disadvantaged financially I think and to have some uh, rights is might be the wrong word but rights respected in the new country or and 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 to uh, minimize in some cases avoid but minimize double tax. Yeah, it's just, it's, I guess it's to not unfairly disadvantage citizens of people's countries from moving overseas. Yeah, compared to if you were to stay in the UK or or wherever. So, so I guess so, that you know, it's trying to make fairness across the board, whether you're an expat overseas or whether you're just still a, a Brit in the UK or or a US. I mean, I guess a US. really um, basic one would be like: so uh, you're a US resident. You've got a, let's just say, UK pension. There's no double taxation agreement. There is, everyone. There is. <laughs> but let's just <laughs> let's just assume there isn't. Um, and you took money from a UK scientist asset, i.e. a SIP. That could get taxed in the UK. 20, 30, 40%. Well, not 30, but you know what I mean. 20, 40% um, mm-hmm. without DTA. And then you're a US resident, so US resident taxes you on your worldwide income. The US would, would want to tax you at your marginal rate in the US. 20, 30 whatever percent double mm-hmm. taxation you know the total tax burden then would be getting into way over 50 60 70 percent so a, a tax treaty exists to say okay this you this asset is citus asset in the uk but because a treaty exists you can apply the terms of the treaty and you can say you're only going to get taxed on that that distribution that income in your country of tax residence which is the us right in in yeah. real terms and does it does it generally work <laughs> well if there uh yeah, in my experience, it generally works. The, I think an important distinction to make, though, is... Um, and it, I, I had to get my head around this one. Is it doesn't guarantee the elimination of double tax. Having a double taxation agreement in place is a great start, but it doesn't guarantee that you're not going to get double tax. It might reduce it, it might eliminate it, but it doesn't guarantee the elimination of it. And that is something people really need to understand and can come as a, a really nasty shock. Yeah, um, how do you find? How does one find out about it? How do you know? Uh, I think how are you meant to know as a, as a layman? Yeah, I, um, I don't know how to answer that really. Other than a, a famous example, really, um, um, Boris Johnson is Boris Johnson. Years ago, I'm going. I'm, I'm, I'm reaching back here into the memory bank. Sold a London property. 
for a handsome gain. Now, obviously, as a UK resident, he is uh, um, uh, he he enjoys unlimited uh, tax-free tax exemption relief. on his on gain mm. for a for a for a, say your principal private residence. But in the US, as a, as a US resident, which he, a citizen, oh, there we go again, a US citizen, as he was at the time, subject to tax on your worldwide uh, income and gains, no matter where you live, you're only you only benefit from a two hundred fifty thousand dollar Exemption, even on your principal private residence. Now that can be five hundred thousand if you're married and join it jointly. But either way, Boris Johnson breached this, and the U.S. taxed him, and I believe he paid it eventually, and then went on to give up give up his U.S. citizenship. So, you know, there's a yeah. treaty between the U.S. and the U.K. Um, but you would have th- he you would have had thought Boris Johnson would have had a, a specialist tax advisor, wouldn't you? As a yeah. as a U.S. citizen, which he was because he was born in New York, mm. he has always had US and UK reporting, but there was an oversight, clearly, and he found out the hard way and <laughs> yeah. and uh Yeah. He found and out then the threw his way. toys out the pram and gave away his passport. So I think for our purposes it's just I uh, just raise awareness of it. Right? Do, do you, you if you have assets in a, in another country, not the US, uh hopefully there's a double taxation agreement with the US. Even if there is don't bank on it uh, being a catch-all solution and helping you avoid any and all double taxation agreement because sadly that's not the case um, pensions though back to the topic at hand pensions so uh, you are you uh, you've worked in a foreign in, a, in another country you've built up a pension there you moved to the US there is a treaty what which is a great start uh, what can you expect? So, you will generally expect gross roll-up of growth on uh, on appreciated assets in that in that pension. So, as stocks rises and as your investments rise, generally you'll uh, you'll experience no gains on that growth. Distributions or withdrawals are subject to income tax payable in the country of residence, generally speaking, here. Um, and uh, non-US investment funds, so if you've got an investment fund that isn't based in the US, um, this might be classified as something called a PFIC, and I don't want to get too technical here, but essentially PFICs, passive foreign investment companies, are... Um, exp- uh, they don't. Um, they're expensive to uh, to hold because um, they're a bit of a disaster. We're going to talk about this on our yeah. next topic. Yeah. So just for, for now, avoid uh, unless, unless you're confident that you have a wrapper that's that allows you to hold them. Avoid them. Is our yeah advice. But you know, you not that we're giving any advice on this podcast. <laughs> but you no usually advice. wouldn't have a. Uh, have a problem with holding well, non-US funds. I would say hopefully. I, I, I wouldn't. I, I'd just say hope. I mean, I think there's some debate, uh, really, and I think it might vary from treaty to treaty. I'd also go back a stage further, Tom, and say, look, uh, the first date. So there's a treaty in place. Great. Does that treaty? Does the pension that you have qualify as a pension under the treaty? I, I think it's entirely possible that you could have a pension, but you the, under the treaty. 
it doesn't qualify as a pension. So that's the first thing is is that I think that's the, that's uh, go. Uh, you got to get past go, um, and then how would we normally expect a pension to be treated if it qualified as a pension? Like you say, gross roll up, so you're not paying tax on gains and income on an ongoing basis, distributions taxable in your country of residence, i.e. the US. Um, and hopefully, hopefully, PFIX allowable. But, you know, I think there's an asterisk next to that. So beware, um, because mm-hmm. PFIX are nasty, as we're going to talk about. Uh, and I, the, the, the last thing I'd add as well is, I believe there are circumstances when you might need to claim treaty relief. So great, the treaty's in place, great, we think your pension qualifies, good, yada, yada, yada. Um, and that might not be enough. It might be necessary on an annual basis or every so often, I don't know. This is definitely tax preparer, tax advisor territory. I think you might need to actively claim that you're taking treaty relief and you want the gross roll-up, you want um, distributions to be... Uh, taxable as income in the future mm. so anyway um, that might be an active step so so something on your physical tax return uh, yeah I think it's a, I think it's a separate to, to form state. really yeah, yeah. Well, and you actually have to claim treaty relief and, and maybe even state the articles I right he, I mean, we need like uh, one of these alarms or buzzers we're going to hit to say <laughs> this is tax advice please please consult a cross-border tax advisor don't hold yeah. us to this or, um, or an alarm we, system we, which is just listening in and which goes off as soon as we stray yeah. too far. Yeah, right. I mean, th- this is this is the challenge of what we do. Like, we live in this murky area where uh, we have a, a knowledge and experience of these matters, but they're not our expertise and we're not qualified and experienced to give advice on them. We are good at identifying them and spotting them and, and saying to people, you might have an issue here, this is something you need to be aware of. But we don't want to... Have a, we want to avoid as much as we can crossing that line and look if we yeah. don't have the answers I don't know how lay people are supposed to have the answers I remember how, this is actually a topic for the PFIC thing but so, but I'll, I've mentioned it elsewhere I remember an, a chartered accountant calling, coming to talk to me with a portfolio of hundreds of thousands in PFIX from the 80s so if right. a chartered accountant who's doing those taxes doesn't know this stuff there's no hope for yeah. For, for most but people pre- presumably he was a chartered accountant in the one country oh, he was chartered accountant in rel- the UK yeah yeah uh, but, but not then he'd, like he'd been in the US for both, so years no right but he was doing his so own taxes he, he thought I'm an accountant cross border no no I'm an accountant I've got specialists I, you know, I know this stuff and I'll learn the US and then he found out a few decades later about PFIX and it, I don't know what happened but I bet it cost him Dearly, uh, it's not fair, but it's but it's the way it is. So, uh, sorry, I took us off topic there, didn't I? A little bit. Where were we? Um, we so yeah, do, you might need to DTAs. Yeah, you might need to claim treaty relief um, actively. Consult tax cross border tax advisor. So that's that's if you you have a pension in a country with a. Um, with a DTA. Or if you have one without a DTA, a double taxation agreement. So, um, I've actually got an example of this. I uh, have worked with someone who had worked in Hong Kong and they had a Hong Kong pension from working for their employer, a big bank. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a, a definitely 
a pension. Hong Kong sees it as a pension. But there is no treaty in place with the UK. Sorry, with the US. So he moved to the US many years ago, now US citizen, and has a Hong Kong pension, which he has entirely reasonably been treating as a pension. But there's no treaty in place. It's not a pension. Oh, and by the way, this guy had a tax advisor from the big four when he first moved here. Right. Because his company provided. Um, uh, anyway, we've, we've spotted this problem. Oh, we've spotted several problems. This is one of them. There's no treaty in place. Therefore, it's great that it's a pension in Hong Kong, but it's not a pension in the US. Now, what is it? It depends on different factors, but it's not a pension. And if it's not a pension, that means it's got it's going to be taxed differently. It means it's going to be reported differently. It means the investment it holds might need to be managed differently. It doesn't necessarily mean it's worse. It just means it's different. And you can get yourself into mm. a bit of a pickle manage, treating something as one thing when it's actually something else, even if that something else isn't actually that bad. It's more, it's more the mis-reporting uh, of it that can get you into a pickle. So, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult because it's, it's a pension. So that's really something to be wary of. Yeah, countries that you have previously worked in have accrued wealth in and, uh, and understanding whether they have a double taxation treaty with the country you currently reside. Got another good example. Um, Go for got it. a client who uh, who worked, I think it was oil and gas, worked in the Middle East, worked in various places over Europe, and his uh, his company for the for these people who moved around different countries, they had they had an international pension plan. Literally has pension in the title. It's provided by one of the by a by a big name insurance company in Europe that everyone listening will have heard of. Um, mm-hmm. And the company paid into it, and the empl- uh, the employee paid into it. It looked it looked like a pension. It sounded like a pension. It was called a pension. <laughs> Problem is, legally, it's not a pension. It's not it's not organised as a pension under any any country's rules. Uh, this insurance company has just structured it to look like a pension, to, so the employer can provide a uh, a way of saving for their employee's future. But it's not a pension anywhere. It's actually a savings account with makes access to investments, but it's not a pension. Again, this client now a U.S. citizen living in the U.S. oblivious to this. Of course, they would be oblivious. To this. <laughs> I just spotted it and having some experience with this, thought I bet that's not a pension, and it's not. Um, so, so this is an example where this isn't even a pension. Like with the Hong Kong example, that was a pension. There's just no treaty with this. Mm. It's not a pension. It doesn't matter if there's a treaty in place with wherever it's actually based, somewhere in Europe. Um, I won't name where, but it's somewhere in Europe because it's not a pension. But because it's been treated as a pension, it, it's for his retirement account, it looks, feels like a pension. This guy has been treating it like a pension, again, entirely reasonably, in my opinion, but it isn't. Uh, and that could cause uh, cause problems because it's, be, it's been reported mm. incorrectly it's not been taxed correctly from the US perspective and uh, yeah nastiness and shoes and generally the longer you leave these things the worse they get don't they yeah yeah because often if you, penalties can just increase and interest can apply interest. over years and years yeah and also I guess the the thing you want least of all is the IRS to make you aware of this yeah, that is the most expensive way to find out. <laughs> yeah, and the most stressful, I imagine, as well. 
Uh, yeah. Yeah. We've been talking about non-US and non-UK pensions, but really what we've been talking about is double taxation agreements. Uh, this is the, these agreements that exist between countries to try and clear up uh, disagreements, discrepancies, avoid double taxation, not eliminate it, but 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 reduce or avoid it, and and eliminate it in some circumstances. Um, the other thing with with I would caution with double taxation agreements is there's often interpretation. You know, when you when you're dealing with U.S. stuff, U.S. Retirement accounts, you know, that are codified in law. It's it's black and white. Oftentimes, mm-hmm. with DTAs, there is an element of interpretation, which is definitely not for us. But again, it just makes it even more difficult, even more challenging. Because with many things, you can ask five different CPAs. Two of them aren't going to have a clue because it's nothing to do with the US, and the other three are going to have different answers. Um, so, I, don't, I wish I had so a even for this. Yeah, I mean, so even if the double taxation treaty has made a good go at trying to mm. put in black and white the position, quite often there is still a level of grey, <laughs> yeah. and within that level of grey lives tax opinion, legal opinion, yeah. uh, and you just got to find the right people and the opinion you're comfortable with. Yeah, um, yeah. I look, we say it all the time, and. Uh, I just can't. The, the important. I think the only thing you can do is work with a tax advisor, and I. But not any tax advisor. I think you need a cross-border tax advisor, and again, not any cross-border tax advisor. I think you need one who's got specific experience in the country where you have other assets. Yeah, look, if they're spread out across the world, that's one. But if, if they're mainly in one country, you want to find someone with specific experience for that, because we've we've come across expat tax advisors, cross-border tax advisors who just. It's that generic. It's you know, it's ex, it's, it's international people, and they don't know how to treat a UK endowment, or you know that this pension I'm talking about from Europe is not actually a pension; it's a savings account. They don't, they don't, they don't pick up that stuff. Um, and I think you need, I think you need to be super specialised. I think that's, I think that's the only, the only insurance policy you can have. And then, and then, if there are discrepancies, if these things come to light, you can say, look, I, I've worked with a, a specialist, specialist. <laughs> In this field, yeah. what more? What more do you want me to do? Yeah, For, to, trying to find a tax team, tax person mm. that works or specialises in people like you. Mm. If exactly. your CPA yeah. works with your neighbour next door, that's just a traditional US person, US citizen, never been, never set foot outside the US, then he's probably or she's probably or that company's probably not the right one for you. Yeah. I, look, I, we'll t- this is f- for the next podcast, which we'll introduce in a second. But when a CPA, when I mention PFIX, they don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, oh anyway, right. <laughs> everyone's got so excited about the next one now. Oh, PFIX. I'll yeah, so, oh, look on that note. Uh, I tell you what, before we introduce the next one, let's just. Um, I think I, I, I want to just wrap up by we've talked about non-US pensions, we've talked about double taxation agreements, we've talked about the most common one really, or type of agreement which is the income um, taxation agreement There other agreements exist um, estate and gift tax treaties which uh, dictates the same sort of issues but a tax upon death um, and there's no guarantee if a country has an income tax treaty there's absolutely no guarantee that it also has an estate and tax 
uh, sorry, estate and gift tax treaty. I think there's much fewer, honestly. The UK has one, okay. but I don't. Right. But I think it's much fewer. Um, and also totalization agreements, which are these agreements which talk about it's to do with the social security contributions and receiving benefits if you worked. It's, it's to do with going working abroad for a number of years, how many years, paying into which system, when you have to leave. Different right. agreement, different issues, not a topic for today. Um, again, the UK has a totalization agreement. Um, and we might talk about that in the future when we talk about mm-hmm. state benefits and stuff. We will. But for now, that is our retirement accounts topic done. All right, we've talked about UK pensions, we've talked about retirement account, US retirement accounts, and now we've introduced non-US uh, pensions, retirement accounts, policies. Mm-hmm. So now we're going to move on and we're going to talk about investments, i.e. not within a wrapper, a retirement account wrapper, a pension wrapper, just investing uh, in, you know, investing. And the investing first outside of a pension. Inve- yes. And the first topic we're going to talk about next time is PFIX. It's come up repeatedly here. Uh, it stands for passive, sorry, I, let me call it non-US investment investment funds right which is predominantly pfix not exclusively but predominantly pfix and um, uh, which stands for passive foreign investment company uh and we're going to talk about those uh what to look out for pitfalls solutions etc next time we get together thanks for listening to this episode of across the pond this podcast is brought to you by plan first wealth for more information about plan first wealth and across the pond visit us at planfirstwealth.com. If you like this episode, consider sharing it with fellow Brits across the US. You can subscribe to future episodes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. The information in this podcast is educational and general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, it is not intended to be substitute for specific individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a final decision.